Geek Shock. Geek Shock. up everybody i'm right and loud rehire james gunn right <laughs> so curse double hashtag i don't know if you know this but i mean i when i go into the, uh, somebody's bathroom when i'm visiting your house i if you hire if you hide a dead hooker and you're behind your shower curtain i'll know because i can't pee until i look behind the shower curtain to make sure that this is going to jump out at me it's it's the equivalent of of the kid having to look under the bed exactly. and in the closet yeah yeah so if you're trying to hide some secrets in your bathtub shower, behind the shower curtain, I know. <laughs> I, I it's it's not because I'm nosy. It's because I'm seeing the wrong horror movie at some point, apparently. It's, it's because you're scared. I'm scared. Because you're scared. I'm, I'm too scared to pee because I'm afraid someone's going to jump out of the bathroom at me. Learn from Andy. Be afraid to pee and look behind the curtain. Likewise, when I get into a car, I always look in the back seat because of some uh, horror movie called Gargoyles. Where you know the classic jump scare where they get to the car and they think they're escaping and the car girl pops out of the back seat and a myriad of other horror movies. Right, That's but a that was a trope. That was the first one I saw it in, and then so it's it's stuck in my head. <laughs> or the person that that follows behind them with flashing their lights at them yeah, every time. Yeah, and then the person gets out of their car and runs, and the other person runs to him and says, "No, there was someone in your back seat. I was trying to." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Geek Shock number 449. I am Master Torgo. It is Jeff. Commander K. Fact check, Andy. And we are to talk week at Geek. Before we do, uh, those of you that entered the Help Brian Keen contest, first of all, thank you, everybody that entered. All books have been shipped except for the international winners. Because apparently, when I went on to uh, Amazon in, in Europe, they were all out of Keen books. So, wow. so I've I'm, I, I've had them shipped to me, and I will be shipping them out overseas this week. That sounds pricey. Wow. So, eh, it's not that bad. Hmm. They're book shipments. It's okay. Oh, okay, but they will probably so, take so a see few them weeks. In two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna take a little time, but they are on their way. All uh, stateside winners. If you haven't received your book now, you should be receiving them very, very soon. So, congratulations to everyone that won. Good job because it it helped out Brian Keane. So that's all that matters. Yay. Wow, we had international winners. Yeah, international winners. That's great. I love that stuff. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Well, ah, I uh, ah. went and saw Won't You Be My Neighbor. That is the uh, that is Mr. The Rogers, Mr. Documentary. Rogers documentary. All right. Yep. Fantastic. Fantastic documentary. Uh, highly recommend it. They really go in-depth on the origins, how he got almost a little burnt out at one point and stopped the show for a while and then felt like he needed to come back because he felt like television needed him. How far, know. how far, like how many years was he going before when the burnout hit? I want to say like six or eight years, something like that. Okay. And he started what started year? started like 1965 okay. or something like that. I was, remember it well. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and and the other thing yeah, was... Yeah, you were in your 40s then, weren't you? Right. Yeah. He started in Pittsburgh on a on the local, what would become the PBS station, ah, but it was... The Mystery Science Theater started. It like was it. started... So a lot of the early shows were only broadcast locally in Pittsburgh prior to Isn't getting that? put on PBS, and then I guess eventually they 
re-aired some of those episodes on PBS because they had been recorded. So. Isn't there some weird crossover between Mr. Rogers and Dawn of the Dead because they're both Pittsburgh-based or something? Isn't there like <laughs> some crossover in the cast or something? Well, if there is, it wasn't mentioned in the film. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if some someone was in both things. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Somebody will tell us. Somebody will tell us. Yeah. I expect it to be Jake. Sure. But yeah, definitely if you get a chance. Uh, I know it's in limited release nationwide. Um, if you get a chance, definitely go see it. I-, I will warn you ahead of time. It will make you cry. There was a couple parts in the theater. There was not a dry eye on the house. I mean, I looked around. I heard sniffles behind me. Um, grown adults, tears streaming down their face. I was not immune so apparently I am not. He is not. He's not a robot. Apparently I'm not as cold-hearted and uh, you know emotionless as I thought. So <laughs> you just fake it real. I, I guess so. <laughs> Jeff's um, a softy deep down. And uh, yeah, Tom Hanks movie doesn't come out till like a year or two from now. Oh, where he plays Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I have no uh, idea the timetable. Like all that yeah. one. Definitely great film. Really enjoyed it. And then I also went and saw. Um, oh. Because I had to, I needed something to pick me up a little bit after that. Because it was, <laughs> it was, it was somewhat depress. It was, it was both happy and depressing at the same time. It was bittersweet. I get yes. that. Yes, almost came out of it thinking, "God damn, where where's this country gotten lost?" Because you know the ideals that he was trying to instill and seemed like were followed for so long just suddenly disappeared. Well, he did die. Oh, please, well, that's please tell me it. you followed up immediately by watching the, the uh, puppet homicide movie. No, I actually went and saw Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> uh, okay, how was that? Uh, great palate cleanser. Um, <laughs> uh, they're putting that in their posters. <laughs> I tell you what, I I love those Mission Impossible films. I like that sneaky, heisty style. You don't really know what's going on until it's revealed kind of film. I'm not sure I'd still be watching those if it wasn't for Simon Pegg showing up at him. He sure he's not he's not he's a very small part of it, but he's, yes. he's the spice well, he that was, makes it work for he me. He was a bigger part of it this time. Uh, the last film too, he was a bigger part. But yeah, he was a big part of it this time. The action scenes, I swear, the action scenes in this particular film were not only more realistic, but way more intense and way more enjoyable than any of the other one. I think. This film had some of the best action sequences of any of the Mission Impossible films. A lot Impossible of people films. are talking about that. Yeah. Is the director named McQuarrie? Is that his yeah, name? Yeah, Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, Wait, w- Ralph McQuarrie? The or not? Uh, not Ralph. Um, uh, uh, begins with an R. I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, Chris. Chris McQuarrie. Is it Chris? Christopher McQuarrie. That's right. Now he co he co wrote and directed both this film and the previous Mission Impossible film. So it's the first time in this franchise that you've had the same writer and director ah. for. Um, consecutive films i've enjoyed and all of them They've I've, I've liked them all and what was fascinating in this one is he referenced a lot of the previous films i love it i mean there's there's little easter eggs throughout like a couple of scenes where i'm sitting there going like oh shit he did that in the first film too reward like, those fans yeah uh. movie bob has an interesting review on it where he talks about it and he's like he's like they're all pretty much like kind of the same films and and he's like, and you're expected to remember something that happened five films ago, and maybe you know that that you don't that you're not going to remember five minutes after you watch the film. And I'm like, okay, this is apparently one that Movie Bob and I differ on. Talk about uh, a character getting screwed over though in that first one. Wow. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember anything about any of those movies. 
I really need to go well, back did, and just did, watch Did you them watch all. the TV show at all, or did you watch it in no, reruns at some point? never really did. See, I loved the TV show, yeah, both here. the original and the uh, the late 80s follow-up that, uh, Peter, that, Graves that happened, but Peter Graves was yeah. you know, the star of the show. He was amazing, and everything you know hung around him being cool and pulling it off and being calm and collected and everything. And uh, in the... First Mission Impossible. We, I, I don't know that anybody said it didn't happen this way, but I mean, it seems to just be a continuation of the series. And sorry for the spoiler alert on the movie. That's how old is that now? Yeah, I think you're safe. Yeah, it's uh, al- but, almost twenty but years yeah, old. Uh, um, his character, Mister Phelps, ends up being the villain in the first one. Uh, Graves' character? Yeah, oh, well, wow. he's unplayed, but played by Graves because Graves Boyd. wouldn't do it. John, John Boyd, Boyd took it over. Pretty bullshit, actually. I didn't like the movie because of that. Right? Really. Yeah, it was. It was. It's a complete turn of the character from the TV show. Ah, yeah, and it was. It was. Well, a Peter whole... Graves didn't like it because of that either. He goes, "It took my character, and then they made him the villain." Yeah. After all the years that I well, made him a hero, <laughs> because I've never <laughs> seen the original Missile Mission Impossible, I guess I'd never sunk in that that's who that was supposed to be yep. for me. So it was just like, oh, he was just a turncoat. No, nope, he yeah. was. He was. He was somebody who starred in. Well, and the reason or... he was a turncoat, I can't remember because the so Cold War was over. Okay, and they were going to put him out the pasture. <gasps> oh, oh, so, and he had nothing to show for it. So he basically wanted to betray the company, the country that he had had spent a lifetime defending for some monetary gain so that he could retire comfortably. Yeah, you're That's, right. If yeah. That doesn't was, make a lot of sense to it me. Was, it was, I mean, again, it's a lot of these movies aren't heavy on plot. They're more, it's usually a very simplistic plot. Like, for example, in many of the movies, it seems like characters have failed at something, and then there's a situation where it turns out to be false, like walls fall down, and then you, you know, a, a, a set, the character that's being interrogated finds out that he's on a set, and that something that he thought happened weeks ago was not actually happening. It was all fake. It's all part of that that Mission Impossible thing right. where they pull out all the stops to trick people into revealing something that they probably wouldn't reveal otherwise. Yeah, I remember so an interview when Greg Morris uh, <clears throat> uh, was interviewed about the new movie, and he didn't like it. Uh, and he was very vocal about it. And his point... Greg Morris was the black guy on the show. He was one of the... The original show. Yeah, yeah, the original. And then his son was a character in mm-hmm. the follow-up yes. series. Yep. But um, he said the whole point was that they don't kill people. The whole point is they don't take action. What they do is they set up the bad guy to fall, do themselves in. That's the whole point. And, and so while the Mission Impossible movies, the modern ones, are all flashbang and really good stunt pieces in terms of the basic essence of the show. In his opinion. Yeah. Well, no, he's right. He's right. In the TV series, everyone, the villain was always hoisted by his own petard. Yeah, they yeah. don't... The, the, whole, the whole point was they go in and they they get the villain to screw themselves over and then they get out. And they do that to an extent in the films, but yeah, yeah they well, have they have become a very The thing that I more action oriented series. I, you know, they're they're great action bits. Tom Cruise is always a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. The last one I saw I think was the one with Jeremy Renner. Well, and he was in two, so yeah, he was in the last two, wasn't he? Was the last yeah, two? The, pre- the two previous films? Yeah, I think that was the last one I saw as well. He yeah. wasn't one. in this one. Then uh, I may not have seen the did, uh, last one. Did he you see the in. one that takes the? There's a big action sequence in Dubai. Yeah, that's yeah. the last one, isn't it? 
Or is it one before that's the, two movies? That's, that's two, two movies, movies ago. You're the right. The Burj Khalifa thing. Yeah. No, I, that one I love because Cruise uh, Cruise's character does this sleight of hand with a with a floppy disk. Oh, that's the first one. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just and that always stuck with me. I really enjoyed it. But my my problem is the trope of the government is out to get Ethan Hunt. Right. I'm fucking sick of that. It's like it was interesting for the first movie, and then all of a sudden it became the trope. It was what the films were about, which mm-hmm. was just like... Isn't that the same thing as the Bourne identity, as far as tropes go? Well, that's yeah. kind of, I mean... Well, out of six films, I can only think of two that the government was out to get him. Um, one was a shadow conspiracy that was several different things trying that he was fighting against, but not realizing he was fighting against this... Mm-hmm. This whole international right. organization that had infiltrated different levels of government, mm-hmm. Hydra, <laughs> kind of, yeah. But uh, so the government's not trying to kill him in this one. No, in fact, he's he's actually trying to figure out. Well, the premise, and I'm not giving any of the way. The premise of the film is there are three plutonium cores that are missing. He's trying to reacquire them before they get turned into bombs. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what I'll well, say on yeah. that one. Because it, you say any more, it definitely reveals the whole plot. Yeah. But again, it's not a super heavy plot. It's more about the execution of how they counter. All the negative nitpick I've been doing aside, I've like I say, I've, I've enjoyed all those. They've all been yeah. fun. Oh, rides. I had a blast with They're this. amazing. Well, I mean, the, yeah. yeah, the stunt work's amazing. There, there's supposed to be a, a car chase. Yes, like, there's an amazing car chase through Paris. Yeah. One of the better ones I've seen. Especially in recent history. Yeah, people were actually asking Macquarie if he was influenced by uh, Ronan, probably. Ronan. Yeah. yeah, and actually, he's he said another movie. Hmm. Oh, okay. So he the car chase in Ronan takes place in Arles, and to me, Arles is just a quaint little village that Van Gogh hung out in. So it's it was really weird to see Arles as a city. It's right. it's well, it's and it's also fantastic because it's got those fucking narrow streets and sure, stuff. They, yeah. They totally made use of the the, the claustrophobic uh, environment for some amazing mm-hmm. chase work. That yeah. was just great. And Ronin is a movie that was written secretly written by Mamet or quietly written by Mamet. Uh, Mamet! I think it is. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Se- oh, secret good. Mamet movies. Secret Mamet. Secret Mamet man. <laughs> <sighs> what else you do this week, gentlemen? I'm finished up my eggs. I was been I've been slowly How are you recovering. Yes, I've been slowly working on six giant eggs for the last two months, maybe something like that. I've been screwing up Kirsten's house with giant eggs for two months. Um, <laughs> that, that, just, you just, brought one over. I did to be Matt. To be Matt, the thing. Yeah, yeah. Just things one massive. Of, just one of many projects yeah. to ruin. So uh, Kirsten's backyard. Right? <laughs> they were being delivered out to the site about you know forty five. Minutes, uh, half, you know, 45 minutes, uh, an hour out of town. And uh, I made them too big. I, I could only fit two inside my SUV. And then I could fit two on the roof. But they're round objects. They're not easy to strap onto a oh, roof. Oh, yeah. So I put them into a, uh, a um, uh, tarp and tried to seal up the edges of the tarp as much and strap down the tarp. And what are they made of? Paper mache, mostly. So, so you can't t- t- strap them down too tight. 
Well, no, they're actually, actually pretty durable. Actually, they're pretty oh. durable because on the way down, one of them slipped out from the tarp and rolled down the highway behind me. Oh, well. Ooh. Andy Andy discovered you can make paper mache out of corrugated cardboard. Mm-hmm. It gives you a lot of bulk right off the bat. Yeah. Wow. So it was so funny. He's he's packing his he's packing his eggs. If you know what I mean. And I'm walking by the the front window to get something, and I and look out, and there, his car, like has two large boobs. <laughs> I mean, it literally just looked like a, a boob shot. Uh, so nobody on the shoot bothered <laughs> to come offer to help you transport well, no. these eggs? No, no, I, I didn't realize it didn't fit until I was getting ready to bring them down the shoot. At that point, everyone was already down there. They're scared of Andy's boob mobile. Yeah. yeah. So we, I got there, and it was being filmed. <laughs> and, uh, There's be- the title of the show, Andy's Boob Mobile. There you go. <laughs> so it was being filmed in a cave, and, and to get in the cave, it's about a 30, 35 degree angle hill going down about 150 feet. So I put the first egg down, leaned it up against the wall, wanted to get the other ones, and clunk, clunk, clunk. I turned around, the egg is starting to roll down. I made one half-hearted grab for it. I'm like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. die rolling down a hill, falling an egg. And it just bounced all the way down the hill. Boom, ga-dum, 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 ga-dum. Hey, oh, wow. It'd it, it make for a great obituary. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like we all you know, know what we all know something was going to take you out one of yeah. these days. You know what, but... Jeff? Actually, you just hit, uh, hit on the point. Whatever it is uh-huh. that does Andy in, it will make for a great obituary. <laughs> I, I, I want to see these. Somebody write, write, write me up some Andy obituaries. <laughs> it's, it's like it's it's, it's <laughs> shock monkeys, and it's going to be one of those like sad and hilarious moments at the yes, same absolutely. time. Like you're going to be reading it, and you're going to be ashamed at yourself for laughing you too, because you're like. He's dead, but goddamn, this is hilarious. Yep. I, I want to truly jump on this. Uh, Shock Bunkies, if you're feeling creative, yeah. <laughs> please write an obituary for Andy and send it to comments at uglycowshow.com. The best ones will be read on the air. Nice. So, yeah, don't, don't, don't put them on the lair because somebody will panic and, nah. and, and rumors <laughs> will start. So I went back to get the other two eggs, which you know, I could just throw in the back of my SUV. And I get back there, and there's nobody around. Um, so I pick up the egg and throw it in one of the eggs and start carrying it down into the dark cave going, God, I hope they're actually down here in the cave and they haven't gone off somewhere. <laughs> and I, and I, I carefully carry this egg all the way down. I get down there, and they go, oh, you're here. Yeah, you don't have to carry them down. We just rolled them all down the hill after you saw you roll the first one down. <laughs> <laughs> That's gorgeous. Yeah. That's fantastic. So they're, they're a little dinged up now. Sure. Um, but uh, as an egg would, but be. they're still pretty solid. So tell, tell tell me about this movie. What is this movie? Are you allowed it's to talk a, about it? I can talk a bit about it. It's okay. um, an anthology movie. It's supposed to come out this year. Uh, it's um, and it's an anthology horror movie uh, based on the Twelve Days of Christmas. Oh, so these be the eggs from Six Geese Laying. Oh wow! And it features a uh, evil mother goose. I'm in. Yeah, I'm all in. Yeah. And uh, that was the other that was the other uh, weird and unusual thing I did during the uh, shoot is I uh, I got to make an actress cry a lot. Like you had to, or you just got to? Like, I, un- mean? I f- unfortunately had to. No, uh, the makeup artist had to leave. She had to work in the morning for another thing. Ah, so it fell to me to remove the prosthesis attached to her face. Oh, which no. is a long, slow, painful process. Oh my god. 
for the, what, all the spirit gum that was used? Or? It was not spirit gum. It was something sturdier than spirit gum. Oh, oh you've got to be kidding me. Oh, when, yeah. I was, when I was the cowardly lion, they used... 355 medical adhesive. Mm. Oh my God. That stuff is. Yeah. Don't they close up wounds with that? Yeah. 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 And uh, well, at the time when they were using it for me, they were like, yeah, they use this to secure uh, colostomy bags. Like, oh, good. Jesus. So, so how did they, was it painful to remove? Yeah. Uh, But what they do is you peel back the prosthetic Okay. And you have, you know, one of those medical Q-tips that are like six inches long, and you just keep dipping it in alcohol, and you just gently rub, yeah. and the 355 will mm. slowly dissolve. But, it, it, you know, I'd still have a red ring where the where it was. Yeah. It, wow. It just... Everyone, every time I've seen somebody take off a prosthesis, it's kind of just, you know, grab it and pull it, and it peels off, because it's not attached as securely as this one was. But yeah, because spirit gum. Yeah. yeah, so uh, yeah, so that happened. I also um, what did you use? What did you use? I, there it? was a spray that, okay. she, that she left behind a spray, but it's still a long, slow, painful process. Oh my god! Um, and I was also she was gone by the time they were doing the blood special effects. So once again, I was soaked up to the elbows in stage blood while I was you know as one will while uh, while he's peeling a face off an actress who's yeah. crying. No, I washed off the blood before I did that. But, oh uh, damn it! But I still have it on my shoes. There's still blood on my white shoes. I Andy, was wearing. Andy lives more in a week than I do in a year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. True. I try. I'll sleep when I'm dead, baby. <laughs> What else you do, gentlemen? Obituary. Besides rip people's faces off and deliver so, eggs down the hill. I lost a friend over James Gunn. Mm. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. I got to arguing on Facebook because I was, I made a comment and she disagreed, and she was pulling this whole "I draw the line at child molestation," and you know the jokes are unforgivable, and I was pretty cheesed at that and then she all of a sudden was like this is politics everybody does it and i was sort of like what the fuck are you talking about um because her attitude was that everybody you know why get all up in arms about mob campaigns of character assassination when everybody does it and i was like pretty fucked up yeah what what the hell does that have to do with anything so uh, I, I'm sad for you, but it wasn't much of a loss at that point. Yeah, I was I was irritated to the point that I was just like, you know what, goodbye, and I just went and unfriended her. Close friend or just Facebook friend? Long time uh, friend, right? Old friend. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, friend, you guys know. Okay. Oh wow. So it was. It, I just was like, God. So it's funny because it's the second friend I've lost uh, for quote unquote political things. I had a conservative friend shut me off over the uh, the kids in cages thing a couple months ago. Wow. Mm. Country's fracturing, man. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame. I will say with the old James Gunn thing, it's left a, a weird little bitter taste with Disney properties with me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah, like, I like, because like, you know, I've I've talked a lot about the YouTube videos. I'm watching what's happening in Disney rides and riding through, and people just walking through Disney and eating food. I watch videos of people eating food at Disney. It's, it's dumb, and I do that. It's true. He does. I've seen it. <laughs> wow, and, I, I and, thought watching people play with 
crawling with claw machines is weird enough, but now you're watching people eat? <laughs> yes. You this is just no the idea. stuff he's telling us yeah, about. Right. no That's idea the point. things he watches. Man, I don't want to see your browser history. You don't. And, and, and of course, Star Wars and, and Marvel, and then and I'm looking at the Twitter feed, and, I'm, and I've been super stoked about the Spider-Man game coming out for the PlayStation. Right. It, and it looks amazing. And, but I'm starting to see updates on that, and I'm like, right now I don't care. Because I, I, when I see that, I, I think I immediately my brain hits the James Gunn thing. I'm sure it'll move along yeah, it'll over pass, time. I think. But, but right now, it's just weirdly raw. Yeah. So, again, it's something I realize is, is passing, but... Well, I saw today man, it that, feels weird. That Ryan Johnson even, like, employed, like, the... I think it's uh, it's a, it's a piece of software that'll go through and like completely erase your Twitter history. Hmm. So he said you know, he's a, not for anything that he can remember saying or might have said, but just because of what happened to James Gunn. Sure, he's like I don't remember what I said ten years ago. I don't remember if I might have said something that I regretted immediately after I did it. So rather than take that ch- chance with this mentality of attacking somebody for their past when they're clearly not that same person anymore sure. he went through and used a, a piece of software to completely obliterate all of his past a and, twitter worm and, and the sheer unforgiving nature of it yeah. the whole people apologize and people totally just reject it throw it back in their face i mean i think i honestly believe there is no apology possible for some of the more vocal people out there. And, you know, whatever you do, it's not going to be enough. It depends on the person. It depends on who's targeting them, and it depends on how they're being targeted mm-hmm. is really what it comes down to. Well, well, And in, yeah. in, in Gunn's case, it was political. It was yeah. politically driven. It's now, one of the good things is those same people apparently have started moving on, and they tried to target Sarah Silverman. Uh, yes. And... I haven't heard her being affected by it. No. Yeah. And so it seems to me that when they go after somebody who has made their brand currently on that type of thing, it's not going to be as effective because that person... Sure. And, and she is a stand-up comedian with her own show on Hulu. Yeah. And yeah. It's it's not that she's attached to Disney Corporation. Well, now she is now that Hulu's owned by Disney. Yeah, well, right. I mean, you know, but it, it but that's also her brand. Yeah. Um. So I mean, because Jesus, dude, when you think about it, Cernovich just has to pop in the aristocrats yeah. and just start making a list. Sure. I saw. Uh, I was at the doctor's office in the waiting room. Saw an episode of Fuller House. On TV, and I was looking at Bob Saget, and I was remembering his bit in The Aristocrats. Oh, yeah, Which was James Gunn, old school James Gunn level joke. He, he's always been a shock blue comic. Yeah. Like super shock. So it, it was, it was, it, it's sort of like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for, because man, oh man, there, there's plenty out there if you're going to fucking fry someone. And it's really funny how this Twitter thing, it's like it's Twitter. Yeah. You know, if, if it's Twitter, I'm happy because all people are going to get angry at me for is, you know, hashtag il douche for uh, Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this podcast is the one that's going to get us in trouble. 
uh, yeah, her and was uh, who else was it? Because I heard that Patton, uh, Patton on, Oswald, he's uh, on. But there. he did he did some some deep level trolling on that where he would write this this opening statement that was I, I made love the, those. made the next tweet completely innocuous. But if you read that next tweet on yes. its own, they were super those pro were white, yeah, white good. supremacy and so on. And they were really that. And you, when you look at it, it's like the thought that you have to put in to execute this <laughs> is fucking amazing. I yes. was in awe of that thread because that was some really good shit. So, but some uh, people took the bait on it. Some people tr- oh, tried, yeah. to, tried to put it out there saying, look what Patton Oswalt said, and yeah. basically proving him right. It's uh, like the Johnny Carson bit where he one time uh, sang Three Blind Mice but he used an air horn to bleep certain words, and it was to, you know, challenge the silliness of bleeping censorship. It, you know, you fill in the blanks, You sometimes, usually worse than uh, what was actually there. Right. There was, a, a, um, uh, there was a, the Don and Mike show, which was a syndicated show out of uh, D.C. area. It was... Talk radio stuff was this two guys jerking around. They would occasionally play. Well, not occasionally. Around Christmas time, they would play uh, "Rocking Around a Christmas Tree." And when it got to the chorus, they they would uh, bleep out the word "pump" out of pumpkin. So maybe we'll have some pumpkin pie. (laughs) Nice. Sure. Yeah. Nice. That kind of reminds me of uh, impossible not to hear. Yeah. Or uh, Uh, or Jeff Vernon's. when he he took uh, it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. Oh right, oh, yeah, yeah. Sally just going on a rant with uh, Linus, and he he bleeps out uh, block from Blockhead, and <laughs> oh my god, and he does it so well. And you don't just, even have to bleep you can, if you leave the K on at the end. Yeah, yeah. and he oh god, that's <laughs> perfect. That, so I had to look it up because um, I was pretty sure uh, Wreck It Ralph Disney. Sarah Silverman as one of the voices. Yes. Sure. That was the point. That yeah. was the the goal. Yeah. What you were talking what I was trying to say uh was you got you're talking about um Patton Oswalt's thing. It, it reminded me a lot of Tim Minchin's song Kant, which is actually supposed to be context. It's beautifully written. Um if you've never heard it, look it up. It's it literally is listed as C O N T because it, the, the bit is that he's performing and he's missing a page. So it starts off with stuff like, I don't like black people, they're just not acceptable. I don't like Jews, neither should you. And then he finds the other page, and it goes through and says, whoop, sorry, uh, that's the trouble with trying out new stuff. It's I've only had half the lyrics covered up. We should probably try that again. <laughs> so he says, I don't like Jews who make and distribute kitty porn, neither should you. They're ethically, spiritually poor, that's a fact. I don't like black people who risk billions of other people's money gambling on future derivatives, that's just not <laughs> acceptable. And then it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. So it's, he says, and women, who, I, and women who judge other women for not holding the, some, the same views as them vis-a-vis career and mothering just make me so mad. Does that make me bad? Am I bad? Is that bad? So it, it goes to show that, you know, Unless you have the whole picture, you know, you shouldn't make snap judgments with, with, with the Patton Oswalt thing. The second half is the is the payoff to the setup. Well, so with the with the James Gunn thing. Yeah. The the apology and the change of the redemption 
is the second page. Sure. What else did you do this week, gentlemen? I went to uh, Quest World. Quest World. Mm-hmm. What is Quest World? Was what Quest was, World? What was the show? Was Quest a World? play put together, and hopefully it'll be put together again and shown somewhere else. But it was uh, some folks we know was uh, Vohi and his wife Anias, 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 Anias. So anyway, anyways, they were the the lead principal, the lead actors from uh, Absinthe, who retired the or- from that. the OGs. Yes, the original, the original uh, gazillionaire and uh, OG. What was her name? Penny? Penny, Penny Pivots. Yeah. Um, they basically did a, a LARP show where they had a guy who was being the dungeon master and he would, he would bring people out of the audience and there was a character sheet up on the uh, wipe, wipe off stuff. He'd be writing down scores on it. He had a giant D20 and uh, he you know rolled the stats. He gave him some pluses for the build of the guy and then made him roll some of the stats and uh, you know, monsters came out. People in costumes. They, you know, uh, Vohi and Anias. Uh, they played like uh, eight roles each. It was amazing. They're and and they've got pretty heavy makeup on when they come oh, out. Wow. They've got like these black circles under their eyes, and they kept coming out with different makeup. And I was like, wow, they're doing quick makeup changes in there. They're doing what? Quick makeup changes oh, in okay. there. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, was, I heard. Uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> it was just. Amazing! It was just delightful. Uh, it was LARPing improv comedy weirdness. I love the idea. I yeah. saw that they were doing it. I wish I could have seen. Yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sad I missed it. Yeah, I asked. I asked Foley if it was if they were hoping to put it somewhere. And say, yeah, that's that's kind of the goal. We'll see what happens. They, I, it was it was a uh, you know another one of those. Uh, Vegas is a giant city. It's a small town. I went down. Yeah. Uh, I, I, went, I took Jamie with me and went down. Met. I met her at um, Rebar ahead of time. And PJ Perez, the publisher of uh, Christmas Post, was hanging out at Rebar. Actually, he was finishing up shooting something in Rebar. Sweet. Which was weird because he doesn't live here in town anymore. Oh wow! So that was like, oh, there's PJ. Okay. So and then I went to the show and uh, a whole bunch of the people that I was down in the caves with earlier in the week were there shooting. The, the show. Only Andy has sentences. Last week I was down the, down the caves with those people. Yeah. So yeah. Well, at and, least. and then one of the people that got pulled up to be the the character, the the protagonist in the show, was David Figler, who's a uh, uh, lawyer slash uh, public radio uh, uh, columnist slash uh, Jim Morrison impersonator, who I once shared a column with. And he was up there. Jim Morrison impersonator. It was it was a one off thing. It was it was a thing where he did a show uh, that was what if Jim Morrison hadn't died and had become a aging Las Vegas lounge singer instead. Oh, so okay. He's doing Jim Morrison. And he's also he's also the lead singer of Tippy Elvis, which is this weird Vegas band that shows up but performs like once every year or two. Tippy it's, Elvis. Tippy Elvis is this weird sort of punk rock tuba uh, beat poetry madness of course it is so okay. yeah so it was all, and then and, and in the audience were a bunch of people i recognized there was a woman sitting down at my feet because it was like it was there were so much uh, so many people there they actually had people sitting on the floor in that's front of it that's wonderful i'm glad so many people so, came so one of those women was the gallery director of the barrack museum that i'd interviewed a few years ago i recognized her so yeah people like that were all over the place in there yeah uh. But yeah, I, I played if they a lot do of Yakuza Six. 
Yes, Yakuza Six. Yakuza Six on the PlayStation Four. Okay, I gotta hand it to Yakuza Six. It's an open world game. It's made in Japan. In fact, when you play it, it you can only play it with subtitles. It's all in Japanese. Wow. Yes. It's semi open world because you can only go within the city, and the cities are pretty small. But the amount of story in this game is amazing. It's the first game in a long time to emotionally draw me in because you're dealing with a Yakuza, which is that's who you are. And if you're unfamiliar, Yakuza is basically Japanese mob. Mm-hmm. He's ex Yakuza. He's went to jail. He's given it up. And it's one of those every time I try to get out, they pull me back in stories. Ah, yes. Uh, but it involves an orphanage and your adopted daughter that became a Japanese idol that quit because it was found out that she was related to you in some way. And so she ran away and ended up getting pregnant and then hit by a car and then in a coma. It is Japanese mafia movie plus soap opera. It's great. Wow. (laughs) Absolutely great. How many fingers does he have? Uh, He still has all the fingers, although there is a lot of threat of finger chopping throughout this whole mm-hmm. thing. So I would think if he was, you know, he'd been caught and put in jail. Well, I guess if he didn't didn't turn on them, then you'd keep the fingers. Yeah, he didn't turn on turn on anybody. Okay. So and you, you get embroiled in f- trying to f- so you have this kid that belongs to your adopted daughter who is in intensive care trying to find out where her father is in Hiroshima and yeah. Little lone wolf and cub going on. Something like that. Yeah. But every time the story advances, it advances in a really complex way with three dimensional characters. And that's what is so rare for an open world game is three dimensional characters that you actually care about. Nice. Because usually when I'm doing an open world game, I'm like, eh, the main story, where's all the side quests? This one. The side quests are some of the best things in the game, and I want to just go do the story. Wow. Because the side quest stuff is little arcadey things, and really cool little arcadey games, like you can go to the karaoke parlor. Mm. And that's basically a button-mashing rhythm game, Oh, and it's as goofy as you expect it to be. Which are two of his his go-to areas, button-mashing and karaoke. So there's no actual singing involved? Uh, Not for you, but your character attempts to sing. He's not very good. Ah. But he plays along with the tambourine and stuff, because you know, that Japanese karaoke is all about the rhythm instruments, too. Is it? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, if you go to one of the karaoke rooms of Vegas, you will see that they have rhythm instruments in there for you to play along with those who are singing. Nice. Did you do Mr. Tambourine Man? Uh, no, it's not offered. It's only Japanese no. songs. Duh. <laughs> Although, do you ever think about that song deeply? What the hell song could you play on a tambourine? None. Right, exactly. Play you a just... song for me, Mr. Tambourine Man. Clank, 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 clank. Listen, it's esoteric, and those that are into it are really into it, man. Mm. Really into it. <laughs> and you can go I to... I guess you could play the first six notes of Jingle Bells. Clank, clank, clank. Clank, 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 and you're done. <laughs> you could. And other little side things you can do. You can go to Sega arcades and play actual old Sega games like yes. Outrun, <laughs> Virtual Fighter Five. Yeah, he showed me some of those. It was I was really impressed with that. So that's really cool to just jump in there and do that. And you get experience points for playing these things. 
And you can go to the internet uh, chat room and talk to a vidcam worker mm-hmm. who somewhat strips for you in the game. Oh. Actu- actual video of it happening. Really? Yeah. It's she the strips th- down to a bikini. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's still PG-13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still very much a sex chat room when it comes down to it. No mm-hmm. nip slips. Yeah. So. No, yeah. They're, they're careful with what they can get away with in a video game. At least one that they're... Not selling for adults only. So what's this on? It's on PlayStation Four. PlayStation only. 4. Play, I think it's only for that. So you Xbox players are fortunately out of luck on this one. But even if you have not played any of the Yakuza games, check this one out. Oh, this one's I really didn't cool. realize this is, it is an actual series. A Yakuza Six. It is really so. It is it is the six in the series. Plus, I thought it might be like Big Hero Six, where there's like the number oh, right. something to do with. Okay. Yeah, plus, there's also Yakuza Zero. So I think there's seven of them. Wow. So. I'm still holding out for Yakuza negative one. Mm. I wouldn't put it past them, really. If they can have a negative world in Mario, Yakuza me. No, no, I refuse. Once they get into the imaginary numbers series, mm. that's going to be fun. Well, Yakuza me. Uh, All right, Steve. Yes. Uh, for the book club, <laughs> we are currently voting on next month's book. Next month's book is a graphic novel, so those choices are up there. And uh, I will be... Uh, Closing that poll down tomorrow, so that by the time you need, hear this, it'll be chosen. Ha! Uh-huh. So make choose. sure it's graphic. I had but one more little, wisely. what a weird one. I played uh, DC Deck Building. Okay. And that game ends when you run out of supervillains. Yes. Or. Or. When you can no longer uh, flip any more characters over onto the. Uh, onto the buying board. Onto the, onto the buying board. We played the first game I've played where that happened simultaneously. Oh, you ran out of villains and you couldn't buy any more? Exactly. Impressive. Well, we bought, I mean, you couldn't fill any more. Okay. So. That sounds like a long game. It was a very long game. Wow. Hmm. Uh, some other books that I've read, I read V Wars by Jonathan Mayberry. I wanted to read that because they're turning that into a Netflix show. And it's. Yeah, but didn't we read Light Green Light? Yes, one? we did. And it's a. Uh, the book is written like World War Z with vampires. So I remember, oh, so I it's, think, it's got that sort of uh, journalistic thing going? N- yes and no. It's it, it's a lot more short story driven than that, but it's it's take. You know what? Strike that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a better example. It is Wild Cards with vampires. Oh, the Wild Cards uh, book series where multiple authors but one shared world. Okay. Oh, so it's Steve's world. Sure. Okay, that'll work too. And. I think there's three books in the series. There might be more, but three that I'm aware of. Uh, the first one's pretty decent. Kind of looking forward to the show. Uh, I'm also currently reading Fantastic Land by Mike B- uh, Bakoven. Now, that one is World War Z mm-hmm. driven. It's all interviews, mm-hmm. uh, fake interviews, to tell this story. Uh, so, World War Z crossed with uh, Lord of the Flies set in Disney World. Whoa. Yeah. You have my attention. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm, I mean, it, who knows? It could shit the bed by the end of it, but I'm halfway through it, and it's been really interesting so far. Wow. And it's just interviews of people that survived so far, the, the experience of, of everybody fracturing into their tribes and basically going to war within Walt Disney World. So it's Disney World versus Knott's Berry Farm? No, it's within the park itself. Oh, it's all they, within the park. It creates a fake park, so it's not actually Disney World. Mm-hmm. I was going to say. Yeah. 
Yeah, they couldn't get away with that. There's a Carl Hyacin book that takes place in, uh, in in a fake Disney World, too. But uh, there's a few of those. Yeah. Uh, but the park they create is a real interesting and fun park for all this to happen in. So, uh, and, and pretty graphic books will be aware of that if you're checking it out. And, yeah, let's... Uh, that's what I did. That's what I did. So let's go into my first sheet. It's gone. Ran away. No, no. Don't give it it's back. My no. last sheet. You know it's what's on that. Don't give it to him. Weekend Geek. Oh, okay, good. Yay. How, Andy, you're terrible. I was Not of... wanting to listen to Weekend Geek. I'm trying I'm to censor boy, the news, you man. Bitter. I'm trying to censor the news. I know. Uh, yeah, this first one's. Uh, eh, your miles were very. The studio that owns Star Wars, Marvel Studios, Indiana Jones, The Muppets, Toy Story, and Mickey Mouse will take ownership of Deadpool, The X-Men, Fantastic Four, American Horror Story, The Simpsons, Avatar, and much, much more. Shareholders of both Walt Disney Studios and 21st Century Fox agreed to finally close the long-brewing deal that sells most of Fox's entertainment assets over to Disney. The $71.3 billion agreement puts a bow on what's been a long and arduous process. Most everything that the two groups approved of already had been decided. In addition to 20th Century Fox Entertainment and its studio subsidiaries, including Marvel Fox Properties, Disney acquired Fox's share of Hulu, as well as 39% of its stake in Europe's Sky TV, which Comcast also is was attempting to acquire. Uh, the doubling of H- Disney's Hulu shares, making it a majority owner with 60%, comes as Disney's preparing to launch its own streaming platform to complete with Netflix, 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 and other giants in the streaming space. I think you were right the first time. It yeah. is Netflix. Got to get my Netflix, man. That's <laughs> yeah, just a fine point. Disney also agreed to leave out Fox's roster of 22 regional sports channels, as well as a number of live news and entertainment companies under the Fox umbrella. Those 21st Century Fox assets left out of the Disney acquisition includes Fox News, Fox Sports, Fox Broadcasting. They're being consolidated under a new entity described in pre-merger talks as New Fox, quote-unquote. A crucial federal court decision negating antitrust concerns in AT&T's takeover bid of Time Warner introduced a new chaotic twist into the proceedings in early June. The court decision emboldened Comcast executives to accelerate their own competing play for spot for Fox. And before 24 hours had passed following the AT&T ruling, Comcast had eclipsed Disney's original offer with $65 billion, all cash. Disney retrenched and by June 20th had put together the counteroffer that won Fox over for good. $71.3 billion in both stock and cash with the stipulation that Disney would leave Fox's network of cable sports channels out of the package. The U.S. Department of Justice approved Disney's bid on June 27th, and Fox, whose stock value all the while had been leaping as the two media titans warred over its prized assets, accepted. Now Disney and Fox are one. Crazy. Well... I we've said this before. I'm not really big on monopolies, but you know this does bring the Marvel universe together. There is that little bit of joy, but it's still kind of scary. It is because yeah. I mean, here in Vegas, yeah, we have two companies that run two thirds of the strip. Yes, you have MGM, you have uh, Harris Caesars Entertainment, and then the rest are owned by smaller companies, or in some cases, crazed billionaires. This is true too. 
It's an oligopoly. Oligarchy. Oligopoly. If you work for one of these two companies and something happens that you lose your job, one third of your prospects of working in Vegas in the service industry are done. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking with the whole James Gunn thing at Disney. It's like, well, now that he's been fired from this thing... If Disney has this, has a policy in there that none of Disney properties are going to hire him at least for a while, that means he's kind of shut out of fifty percent of Hollywood. Yeah. So that's kind of a scary thing. That if you're an actor looking to go into the industry or currently in the industry, that something happens against your will and you go bad against the company, uh, that's half your chances in Hollywood right there. Mm-hmm. So, well. I just saw this. I mean, speak, since we're back on James Gunn, did you see? Did I literally just saw this? Just the now. letter. Yeah, the open letter yeah. from the Guardians cast. Yeah, I, I didn't I, know if you have that in the news. I don't that. have it in the news. Oh, okay. I was going to bring it up a little earlier, but uh, uh, I'll just br- basically break it down. Yeah. All the uh, actors, the main actors of Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, signed a letter in consolidation with James Gunn. And if I if you haven't read it, I highly recommend you check it out. They Does put very succinctly and uh, very beautifully uh, what we ranted and raved about last week. Does it say we support James Gunn, or yes. does it say yes. we won't appear in more Guardians of the Galaxy movies unless James Gunn is? No, mm. it does not say that. Yeah, it's a, just a it's just a thing of support. It was just right. a we really want him back for Guardians three. All right, so all the heavy stuff that we know is going to happen aside, now that we have this, the the uh, Marvel Universe back together, how do we do the Fantastic Four movie and make it take place in the 60s? Do we reset it in the past and then have them get frozen in the, uh, what's, negative zone? What's, is that where the... the that's, that's their thing. That's their thing. Hmm. I don't know. Do we do that? Yeah, because I kind of like the Fantastic Four being the first superhero team. You do a you do a series set in the '60s, maybe have a crossover with uh, with uh, Hank Pym's uh, Ant Man, and then you somehow freeze them like Captain America. Then you have that weirdness going on. I don't know. Well, don't know. S- since they know. since they can be cosmic, they can be away for a while. Yeah. They, negative zones and aspect or one of the myriad of other dimensions that they have traveled through or right. varying areas of space That's true. hanging out with the crew. Although say, I'm not interested in the, the fish out of time water. No, I would uh, I need, have to read would have found some way to keep them all up to date on everything that's going on. But yeah, I like the idea of I like the idea of setting it in the sixties so you can because otherwise you have to do some serious manipulation to make their origin make sense. I guess not. I guess they, they, they've proved themselves good at rewriting origins. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I, I think If there's so. anybody out there that I have faith in is the, the, the people who write Marvel movies yeah. and are paying attention to continuity. You know who'd be really good at writing that Fantastic Four movie? James Gunn. It'd be great. Yeah. You know, you're talking about like the 50% shutout. If mm-hmm. you run afoul of it, we should start. We should all just pack up, get to L.A. and start Yin Sid Productions, which is the <laughs> Disney Exile Yen production Sid. company. I love and, it. and you just anybody who gets shit canned from Disney, you know, you come work here because well, not we'll anybody that gets shit canned from Disney. 
So the actual you see, child, we're not Jeff, taking the actual this child is touchers. The problem. It's, it's context. It's all about context. <laughs> Depends on what they got dismissed for. We're not taking the powder guy. That's what he's trying to say. <laughs> Was he shit can though? Because uh, I, I don't know. But uh, he had to explain that to me later on. I didn't know the powder story. That's been ah. filled into me now. Good times. I'm not. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not bringing it up here. Nope. If you're interested, when, when he asked me to, you know, uh, illustrate stuff, I was like, "Look, internet." <laughs> <laughs> My search history can't take another one of those. <laughs> uh, looking up in, um, got to go into private mode so it doesn't keep a search history. In oh, a, sure, sure, that'll work. In a in a uh, sideways uh, salacious uh, tangent. Uh, I quickly looked up Christopher McGuire just to confirm I had the name right and everything. He was a, a major writing partner, directing partner with uh, Brian Singer. Ah. Hmm. He actually... Okay, that's why the name sounds familiar. Yeah, he actually Forgot wrote about that. Usual Suspects yes. and did a lot of collaboration with him. All right. As the movie-going subscription service MoviePass faces competitors to its business model and continued problems generating revenue... Things have taken a bad turn. Yeah, you think? <laughs> MoviePass users faced a barrier using their subscription, and that's because the service stopped working due to a total lack of funds. Here's what the company's Twitter account said about the outage. We are still experiencing technical issues with our card-based check-in process, and we are diligently working to resolve the issue. In the interim, e-ticketing is working. We apologize for the inconvenience and appreciate your patience while we resolve this issue. We've determined the issue is not with our card processor partners and we'll be continuing to work on a fix throughout the evening and night. If you have not headed to the theater yet, we recommend waiting for a resolution or utilizing e-tickets, which is not impacted. Here's what really went wrong. Wong. Wong. Went wrong. The company's parent corporation, Helios and Matheson, said in an SEC filing that they had to borrow $5 million just to keep their service from shutting down any more than it already had. Here's, this weekend. This weekend, yeah. Here is the full text. Quote, the $5 billion cash proceeds received from the demand... Wait a minute, wait, I'm sorry. Million or billion? Million. Okay. Million. I'm the the $5 million cash proceeds received from the demand note will be used by the company to pay the company's merchant and fulfillment processors. If the company is unable to make required payments to its merchant and fulfillment processors, the merchant and fulfillment processors may cease processing payments for MoviePass Incorporated, which would cause MoviePass service interruption, such as a service interruption occurred on July 26, 2018, unquote. Where do you go on the weekend to borrow $5 million? A small cash interjection award off creditors can only patch these problems so long. So if you are a subscriber to MoviePass, you may want to be wary planning your Christmas blockbusters. Mm. Yeah, they, I, already, yeah. they already set upcoming movies that will definitely be nixed from MoviePass, like Christopher Robin and The Meg. Those will not be um, available on MoviePass. I gotta Pass. cancel that. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout this whole worry. weekend, it's apparently. taking care of for you. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that was a big movie that caused a lot of the crash. Yes. Like which one? Mission, Mission Impossible Fallout. There were ah. a lot of movie pass people that wanted to go see that film this weekend mm. and were not able to. Um, yeah, I mean it's. I know Justin from Two Broke Geeks. He uh, he uses Movie Pass and he attempted to use it and was basically said there were no tickets available for any of the theaters that he was. No. 
So, so it's already we well, all I mean, apart. It's uh, it's probably a little too soon to call, but one of the oh, articles no. I was reading this morning uh, that was talking about a meeting that they had just had today, because it's now Monday um, that we're recording this, said that it's effectively dead. Because it said, uh, yeah, the CEO said all hand, had an all-hands meeting this morning, said that uh, the app will no longer allow users to see big upcoming movies, and the only two they specifically mentioned were The Meg, Christopher Robin, Mission Impossible. Apparently Lowe noted that this change will be in effect for the foreseeable future, a.k.a. MoviePass is probably dead. Yerk. So, so uh, that's, that's just from the meeting this morning. Obviously subject to change, pending them getting further funding but because of the way that it was structured and a lot of the market analysts i've been reading talking about this is there's just no way for them to generate profit even on a quantity basis and us dumb podcasters kind of saw that from the get-go it's like how do you possibly make money on this but what they have done is now they've opened up that can of worms a bunch of other services have opened up the their whose business plan isn't as crazy yes uh the well, theater chains themselves are creating this kind of thing yeah. where you, you and subscribe hope, to your local theater right and hopefully that will hang around for a while because that's not a bad idea but it just seemed like a lot of the market analysts unanimously unanimously were saying it's like look the they're paying the theaters x amount of money every month to purchase a certain amount of tickets then they're only charging the subscribers a small fraction of that so even if they're their marketing strategy was to make up for the difference through the quantity of movie passes they sell over a year. We get it in volume. Pro- yeah, exactly. That's it was a, their 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 business plan was volume based. They said that there's just no way that they can because of the amount of money they're spending on these films. There's just no way they can sign up enough people to generate a profit. It's, so it's a pyramid scheme that's built upside down. Yeah, <laughs> it's a charity for everyone. <laughs> It's sad because it's a neat idea, but but now that all the other theaters are starting to jump on that bandwagon, I mean, Cinemark has one. I remember I keep getting, I have the Cinemark app on my phone because I get rewards when I go see movies with them. I have the Cinnabon app. Yeah. (laughs) That's a best app. The first thing that pops up every time I open that app is like, join our movie club. And one of their things is like, if you buy a movie ticket, you don't pay a service charge. You know, because a lot of, you know, if you purchase your tickets online, you get at least a $1.50 service charge. So mm-hmm. it's like free concessions, um, discounts on concessions, as well as free movies. And then, you know, no service charge on tickets purchased. So nice. I mean, that was you know, not me. No, no, it wasn't. No, I'm trying to reset my password for MoviePass. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not letting me uh, log in with nice. Facebook, which is how I was doing it. So, uh, uh Cinnabon reminded me. Yes. I went to Lovett's Custard. Yes. They had Cinnabon Custard. Fine. Ooh, fine. Yeah. Hey, you guys have all been to Lovett's Custard, right? No. Uh, I'm familiar with it. Good Lord. People, go to I, Lovett's Custard. I've been to several different custard places here in town. That's just not one of them. No, it's no. It's one of the oldest ones, one? right? It's the oldest one, 1973. Where is it located? In hell. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's conveniently located between the taco shop, the dumpster, <laughs> And uh, under the, under the wreckage of the uh, dying, the dead Olympic Garden. It's, it's just off the worst parts. Didn't of the there used to be a really popular custard place on like East Sahara that closed down? Because uh, I remember it was like there was I an ice cream place down. that was there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're thinking about Leatherby's? Yes. yes, that was ice cream. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I remember that was like super popular, and people were super upset yep. when it closed down. And I'd only been out here a couple of years when yeah. it closed down, and I'm like, 
part of their problem been. part of their problem was the name Leatherbees, and that neighborhood immediately made people think it was some sort of bondage shop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there was a bondage shop not down there was a bondage down shop the right down the street. It. Yes. Yeah, but uh, also the uh, the Tony Romas where uh, their uh, um, what's his face gets blown up to be the casino. Um, well, they they shot the scene from Casino there. I don't know if no, that's, that's the, where it happened. That is the actual yeah. one where he. Okay, yeah, that's like a that's something weird now. It is recently. It was Tony Romas like last year. Yeah, and like now, now I think it's a, now I think it's like a adult bookstore or something like that. Are there any Tony Romas still in I don't anywhere? Know. Anyways, Love It's Custard has been here forever. It's amazing, and you should all experience it. I've taken several locals to it who have not been, and it just boggles my mind. <sighs> It's, it's it's literally there's a dive bar called Dino's near it. The Olympic Gardens is next to it. You can see what used to be Odyssey Records there. It's in the shadow of the stratosphere. Yes. Uh it's it's a rough neighborhood. I won't lie oh, to you. To love be- it as in L U V hyphen it. Yeah. I'm like I'm typing in Love It's like John Lovitz no. and I'm like uh, I'm not heard of it. Okay. <laughs> I have seen the sign yeah. for this place. They only have... Okay. It's they, amazing custard. They have Made it myself. <laughs> with my yeah. bare hands. Yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. That's a ticket. It's, uh, they've only got... Uh, they've always, they always have vanilla and chocolate, then they'll have one or two other flavors that they've made. And that's all they have for that day. There's a different flavor every day, but all you can get for this, you know, with those... To be fair, I tried going once. Okay. But they sometimes keep odd hours. Hmm. So I, I tried to go and they were they were closed and like two o'clock in the afternoon. Well, that now is, you can have it delivered weird. through Bite Squad or Grubhub. That's true, you can, but it's custard. How long is it going to get? To, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a dinky place. It's been there forever. I have, but they're known for being great. Yes. So it's it's their regulars that keep them in business. Yes. Danish filmmaker Nicholas Wendig Reffen. Sorry, Nicholas Wendig Reffen. Okay. The director behind such cult favorites as Drive and The Neon Demon has decided to start his own 100% free streaming service. Oh, I heard about this. Hmm. Quote, over recent years, I have bought and had restored scores of old movies as a hobby, Reffin writes to The Guardian. Quote, I wondered what to do with them. Then I realized I should share them for free. Does he mean bought? Yeah, the actual like like bought a like an old V old reel, or he bought like the actual rights. I, I think, think he bought the yeah, rights. he bought the rights wow. to the movies. Interesting. So I set up a website where they could be streamed. There's no catch. You're not being sold anything. Take it or leave it. Unquote. His streaming service. Is this the same guy that was behind this movie pass thing? <laughs> <laughs> his streaming service is bynwr.com. That's bynwr.com. Officially launches later this month. It will include little known cult and horror films from Reffin's own collection. The films he has announced for launch include Night Tide, about a woman performing at a circus who may be a mermaid. Cool. The Nest of the Cuckoo Birds, about a masked killer who terrorizes a government agent who stumbles upon a beachside inn run by an ex-showgirl and a taxidermist. Mermaider, 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 mermaid. The Burning Hell. Mermaidator. Now this one. No, it's... This one I love. The Burning Hell, a propaganda film in which a preacher explains the horrors of hell. Yes, (laughs) I am so in for that. So it's like one of those, those horror, one of those Halloween horror houses. But as a movie? Yeah, and I think it's, I think I've actually seen this one. I think it's from the 60s. Yeah, it sounds like from right. the 60s. 
And hot thrills and warm chills Mm. in which two women plot to steal the king of sex's crown at the Mardi Gras. Wow. So I've not heard of any of those movies. Nope. Well, except for Horrors of Hell. uh, I haven't heard of that. The Burning Hell. Uh, So buy NWR.com. So check it out if you want to see some old weirdness for Mm. free. And restored weirdness, too. Restored weirdness. That's that's, that's love. Yeah. Proper proper love okay guys what what i'm ready to oh you're pull you're, the trigger are you pulling the trigger to leave movie pass yep right uh, now it will remain active until i actually apparently i just paid for august uh, so i've got august better better use it up you know as much as you can i recommend going to see uh, mission impossible fallout yeah, oh, I wow. hear that that one's. I'm pretty one. sure the only thing you can watch on those are movies that are showing at the uh, Tropicana Regency now. <laughs> I think you can see Paddington too. <laughs> All right, let us know how that is, though. Okay. It's done. It's I, done. I can't go back to Movie Pass for nine months. <laughs> well, oh, there it oh, is. Well. There's the confirmation. That's my. Uh, yep. wow. Hold on, guys. I got to get this email. All right, you, you figured it out. Cancellation confirmation. We're sorry to see you leave Movie Pass, and now it's going to beg you to go back. If you know you can't come back in nine months, yeah. <laughs> Your That's account will do. remain active until end of current billing period, which right. is good. You won't be able to reactivate for nine months unless you're redeeming a gift subscription. So, oh, so I Jake, could... there it is. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's like. Them saying that they're actually going to be around in nine months. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, I've got some hubris. You know what? Movie Pass needs. It is Jeff PR, PR firm. firm. <laughs> <laughs> we might be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some money. We might be here next week. I'm sorry, Todd. I interrupted. <laughs> yeah, we might, be, you know, in the we might be here. We might not. Who in, knows? In the meantime, take, take these shot. Toys R Us gift cards. <laughs> it's a <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Which did you see apparently Mattel is having like a bad quarter because of yeah. Toys R Us now being closed and I guess a couple other toy manufacturers when, saw a huge hit to their You know what? Hey, if you close all the toy stores, imagine that. Yeah, it's no funny kidding. how I mean, okay. There was shenanigans and there was bullshit going on. Toys R Us was trending down, but there was bullshit that sank it. Yes. But nevertheless, online is supposed to be killing Toys R Us, but Toys R Us going away is actually hurting toy uh, manufacturers, yeah. which is it's ironic. all economy is all an intricate web of everything is tied to everything else. You pull on oh. one string and move something else here. I thought you were going to say it was an intricate web of deceit. Because technically too. it is. That too. <laughs> it's all about confidence right. and consumer confidence. It has I'm nothing saying, to do with actual. It's not that simple. You can't just throw data. tariffs on everything. Yeah. So when bad actors take control of a property, pile it on all the debt onto it, yeah. and then it can't move forward because it's suffering from the weight of the debt, aka the postal service, then shit happens. Yeah. It's yep. a dumb practice. It's yes. sh- yep. friggin' it's, shouldn't it's be allowed. It's not just dumb. It's evil. It is evil. You're right. That is fucking evil. Moving on. And don't disagree or I'll unfriend you. <laughs> I agree with that. Oh. Moon Mute and Warcraft director Duncan Jones teased that his next film would be adapting a comic book. Now he's given fans another tease, and this time he's made it pretty clear which comic he plans to adapt. 
His next film will be an adaptation of 2080's Rogue Trooper. Nice. Rogue Trooper is a British sci-fi comic from 2000 AD created by Jerry Finley Day and Dave Gibbons in 1981. It follows the adventures of Rogue, a genetically created blue-skinned super soldier as he and his three comrades search for the traitor general. Nice. Yeah, it's it's really funny. Way back in the early 80s, I read an Omni article where they actually asked somebody in the Pentagon if you could create, clone, manufacture, grow super soldiers. You know, what would you look for? And he said, the very first thing he said, well, first, you color them blue because you don't want them to be able to slip into the regular population. That makes a lot of sense. And it was really funny because that was the first place he went. And I noticed that there are a hell of a lot of artificial blue people, artificial blue soldiers Around the street. Oh, wait, no. (laughs) So it's actually, it's kind of interesting. I watched uh, Real Genius this week. Real Genius. Uh, Val Kilmer. I love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. I just, it would popped up on Netflix, and I'm like, oh, that's one of my favorites. But when I was watching it, I noticed in the background there was a giant Omni magazine, yes. like like a three-foot-tall Omni magazine poster in one yeah. of the labs. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm reminded of the immortal words of Socrates, who said, I drank what? Thank you. <laughs> Black- you are Chris Knight, aren't you? Yes. I should be. I'm wearing his underwear. <laughs> I hope I'm wearing his underwear. <laughs> I looked it up. The, um, the actress that played Jordan. Yes. Who I was, you know, smitten with. Of course. There's only been in like three movies. Because <laughs> she decided that there must be something better for my life than acting. I'm going to become yeah. a Buddhist. Yeah. That makes sense yes. to me. That yes, makes a lot of sense. CK, there's something better yeah. than acting. Buddhism. Richard Gere. Uma Thurman. Yeah, but they didn't leave for Buddhism. The will. Exactly. You can do both. <laughs> That's She didn't want to. Shit or get off the pot. That's what I'm saying here. She went off and <laughs> found another Buddhist and had a family. <laughs> went off to live someplace that's not Hollywood. I think she's Canadian, too. Could well, be. that explains it all. Yeah. That's why we don't have Matt. He went off and became a Buddhist. That's right. A Buddhist nurse. I would read that comic. I'm glad, I'm glad one of us would. <laughs> I've been to the website Nursing Buddhists. Wow, That's a whole it's probably. I was gonna say it's probably not what you're thinking, Whoa. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Don't search. Wait, is Don't that web ki- search? Is that the kind of nurse he's going to be doing? Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, that, that I've got a whole b- weird picture in my head after that. Go. Thank you very much. That's it. Wait, wait till he comes back and finds out his new handle is Wet Nurse Matt. <laughs> <laughs> wet Nurse Wet Bandit. Oh. <laughs> Somewhere Matt's ears are burning and he doesn't even know why. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Andy just said something stupid. We just call that Monday. <laughs> yeah. Black Panther will see its hero costume and a few other mementos from the film on display at the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture. Black Panther was the first black superhero in mainstream comics. The highly acclaimed box office champion maintained plenty of ties to the civil rights movement in the thematic ideologies of its warring characters, marking its place as a landmark piece of black cinema that, similar to the Smithsonian itself, the museum said, quote, 
provides a fuller story of black culture and identity, unquote. Now, part of that film will live at the museum, at least for a little while. According to the museum's announcement, it acquired Chadwick Boseman's Supersuit, a signed shooting script bearing the marks of Ryan Coogler, Kevin Feige, Nate Moore, and uh, Joe Robert Cole, two pages of spec script, and two dozen high-res behind-the-scenes production photos for display. These will be available for viewing during the first-ever Smithsonian African-American Film Festival, which runs from October 24th to 27th, and perhaps after, depending on the response. According to the announcement, the National Museum of African-American History and Culture is considering plans for the permanent acquisition and display of these markers of the MCU history. Cool. Netflix. I like it, right? Netflix is growing out its tentacles a little bit. Netflix has just cut its first deal to sell syndication rights for one of its original shows to a cable network. Wow. Right? The streaming giant has struck a deal with Comedy Central to syndicate past episodes of its original animated series, BoJack Horseman, which, oh, okay. which is entering its fifth season on Netflix. In the process, handling Comedy Central exclusive second-run rights to put Will Arnett's jaded, faded, former equine celebrity in front of a cable audience. Netflix doesn't publicize hard viewership numbers, but the move itself indicates the lasting demand that makes some of its original movies and shows just as appealing as conventional repeat fodder from network and cable outlets. Battlestar Galactica's, the Star Trek Deep Space Nine's, the Big Bang Theories of traditional set-up box audience. It also extends Netflix brand into potentially untapped demographics, segments of the entertainment-consuming public that may still have little more than a passing recognition of what subscription video on demand, the kind of quality it's making, it's all about. In the end, that may be the highest gain for all for Netflix, which continues to enjoy increasing sign-up numbers even as cable subscription numbers are declining. Comedy Central viewers will get their first look at BoJack, uh, uh, beginning September 26th, when season one repeats, hit the channel at the 10.30 Eastern time slot right after South Park. Hmm. Hmm. I, I've i only watched like five or six episodes of that and was not my cuppa. That's it. More than I've watched. Yeah. I've watched exactly zero. Hmm. You seem like a BoJack Horseman kind of guy, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I, mostly, you know, I never... mostly hold on to the name because uh, Celestia... Is uh, is stalked by Bobek Fredowski, and so every time, and that's she, what brought you to it. Every time, every time she talks about Bobek Fredowski, I talk about her space boyfriend, Bojack Horseman. Okay, yeah. rim shot, boom. Oh, I no, guess I, just, I, they don't uh, get that far. <laughs> <laughs> I get just. I guess it never came up in my recommended for you on my Netflix Netflix queue. So, because Netflix knows you and knows yes. you would hate Bojack yes. Horseman. I don't know if I would hate it, but I probably wouldn't be you Loves know, enthralled Wall Arnett, with it. Hates Bojack Horseman. Loves what? Loves Will Arnett. Hates Bojack Horseman. I do like Will yeah. Arnett. Right. But he hates Bojack Horseshoe. So I just looked up uh, Black Panther, the comic book character, which first appearance is July 1966, which mm-hmm. by the publishing, by the way that they were uh, labeled at that time, that means it was really probably April of 66. The Black Panthers political party, October 1966. Ah, yeah. For a brief time, they changed his name to the Black Leopard 
to, to disassociate right. from the Black Panther movie. But I wonder if the Black Panthers actually were inspired at all since it was just six months after. I don't know. Hmm. But um, they eventually went back to, you know, because, hey, Black Panther yeah. sounds cool. The cadence is amazing. Yes. Yes, it is. Jungle action. It was it's so funny. That, that was, was that was the, the comic that he was that was his uh, solo awesome series yep. jungle action with the black pan and it's just like <sighs> okay <clears throat> well they're trying sure they're trying yeah. at least it wasn't you know Kazar another white guy in the jungle or Tarzan another white guy in the jungle not right. as good as jungle or, or, or the jungle. Phantom another white guy in the jungle or George George another white guy in the jungle hmm. George. What, Todd? And nowhere near as good as Jungle Fun. The best of the fun houses, carnival fun houses ever made. Fun house, Jungle Fun. Yeah. That was one that scared you? No. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you again, Jamie. That was really cool. Jungle Fun is driving me mad. All right. One more story, and then we're going to do some red light, green light. Oh. All right. Last year, moviegoers returned to the world of Blade Runner when a sequel, Blade Runner 2049. Green light. Landed in theaters 35 years after the original film, now the legendary futuristic universe of replicants and the people who hunt them will continue again. Just not on the big screen. Alcon Media Group, the production company behind Blade Runner 2049, and Titan Publishing announced they've begun publishing partnership that will continue the Blade Runner franchise through various projects, both fiction and and nonfiction. That means we'll be getting both comics that continue the Blade Runner story through the same canon established by the two films. Oh, I can't wait to hear the shoe drop on this one. And the nonfiction is? Art books detailing production process of the films. Oh, yeah, okay. it's not as exciting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Andy got all excited. He did. did. What did you? What were you hoping for? I didn't know. I was like, <laughs> what, what the hell are they going to do nonfiction? That's insounding. Yeah. The franchise will be under the editorial supervision of Titans' David Manley Leach and Alcon director-publisher Jeff Connor. The partnership will initially focus on Blade Runner, leaving open the possibility for work on other franchises in the future. Blade Runner, Runner, Blade Runner which, is, which is my favorite drink. Blade Runner was famously adapted by the Philip K. Dick story, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And has seen a few attempts at continuations beyond the film in the past. I need to talk to talk to Alex about that. There needs to be a Blade Runner down the Millennium Fandom Bar. Yes, there does. Yes, yes, there absolutely, absolutely does. does he do a Blade wow. Runner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boom Studios published both a comic and comic book adaptation of Dick's books in 2009, and a prequel titled <laughs> "Dust to Dust." Not book. Not Dick book. Dick's books. <laughs> Stop that. And and novelist K. W. Jeter. Uh, published a series of novels serving as sequels to the original film from 1994 to 2000. Mm. I'm waiting for the Bazooka Joe comics, Blade Runner. Tiny little three-panel oh, yeah, Blade Runner stories. I'm so excited for, the turtleneck. for you to get them. All right, it's well, red why light. Why do you green do light. these? I don't know. You you just you you just my brain just misfires. I have to say it sometimes. <laughs> what the ones I don't say, you'd be amazed. He just wanted to say wow. Zuka Joe really bad for some it reason. Scares me sometimes. You have no idea the stuff I'm holding back. <laughs> <laughs> That's what should actually scare you, Kirsten. <laughs> it's thoughts like that that lead to giant eggs rolling down the hill, <laughs> down the highway too. <laughs> All right, red light, green light. Uh, 
pitches have been sent to our office, gentlemen. All right. It's up to us to red light or green light these. Are you these. taking on your role as the reader slash? Uh, nope. No? I'm, I'm one of you now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Reader slash. I thought my original role you were talking no. about, my reader. No, no. Yeah. Jesus. And are all ties going to the to the lair? The all ties go to the lair. Okay. All right. Just checking. All right. So here we go, gentlemen. Here is the first pitch that was sent to us. Uh, Apple. Red light. Yeah. Red light. Apple is looking to adapt Terry Gilliam's 1981 sci-fi fantasy film Time Bandits into a series. The show will f- be developed by Anonymous Content, Paramount Television, and Media Rights Capital. Time Bandits follows the adventures of 11-year-old Kevin, who one night encounters six time-traveling dwarves who emerge from his bedroom closet and whisk him away from their adventures through time, robbing historical figures. Throughout the movie, the Time Bandits meet several historical and fictional characters such as Napoleon Bonaparte, Robin Hood, and King Agamemnon. The film boasted an all-star cast that included Sean Connery, John Cleese, Shelley Duvall, Ralph Richardson, uh, Catherine Helmond, Ian Holm, Michael Palin, Peter Vaughn, Jim Broadbent, David Warner. For the Time Bandits Apple series, Gilliam himself will be a non-writing executive producer alongside Anonymous Content and MCR. That was my question, if Gilliam is involved in it at all or not. As a producer only. That's fine. As long as it's as long as it has his stamp of approval permission. As long as this wasn't this is wasn't somehow yanked out from under him like Brazil or something. What do you think? I, that's obviously a green light from you. It's a green light from me. Um um it, it means roles for little people again, which is good because, you know. You're right. That's fantastic. Yeah. Red light for Apple, green light for the series. Red is for Apple, J is for Jax for Jeff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ahead, Andy explained it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at first, of course, my knee-jerk reaction was, uh, what? Um, but as, as I thought about it more, of course, I've softened over this. You know, the original's always with us. It'll always be with us. It'll be a Terry Gilliam masterpiece forever and ever. So why not explore that idea a little further? I mean, yeah. I would like Terry Gilliam to have an active role. Executive producers, not necessarily all that active. In fact, some executive producers aren't active at all, so we right. really don't know how involved he'll be in this. Uh, no, I don't. I, you know, I'm, as, long as, he has, as long as he approves of it, I'm good with it. He doesn't need to be yes. involved. He definitely approves of the check because, that he got to because, be executive producer. <laughs> the, the, Terry, the Terry Gilliam of now would make a really creepy, scary, terrible plan for Time Bandits movie instead of just a dark comedy. Uh, that's just, yeah. He's, he's kind of been weird lately, mm-hmm. Terry Gilliam. Yeah. In his interviews. Mm-hmm. But sorry, yes. sorry, he's become more eccentric. Is, I'll I guess, take that. The, yeah. Eccentrically weird. Well, he's you know been tilting at windmills. You know. Know. Well, you know what? If I've had that much disappointment over one thing that I've worked so many years on, uh, yeah, I, I could be a little pillowy. Without a doubt. <laughs> Second most successful cartoonist into a different career. Sorry? Second most successful cartoonist that went into a different career. Ah, yes. Yes, indeed. Who's the first? Uh, Hefner. Oh, okay. Trivia. So, okay, so we're, we're red. We're three green lights and a half green, half red from Jeff on this one. Mostly yes. because of Apple. Yeah. 
I, I'm still confused about Apple's acquisitions in its streaming service. It's weird because they haven't established this. Yeah, you'll have to buy. You'll have to buy a new Time Bandits every six months. Like they haven't established this standalone like platform that they're supposed to be streaming all this stuff to. Even though I'm guessing it'll probably be on like their Apple TV boxes or something. But you know they have all of these original series coming out. I mean the Amazing Stories one. This um, there was another one. Foundation the Isaac Asimov series. You know so what are they doing with it? I mean I I would like to know. I would like to know what their plan is going forward. Sure, and if you don't have an Apple product, will you have a yeah. availability to it? Is it something you can subscribe to? Is the fact that my only Apple product is an old iPad, is that the only way that I will have access to this stuff? I really feel like it's going to end up being you have to have an Apple TV box plugged into your TV to be able to, to access these Isn't things. Dead? Because that's, that's the whole Steve Jobs philosophy yeah. that is now carried on by... Um, uh, I'm totally forgetting his name now. That's the the current head, uh, Tim um, Minchin. No, uh, Tom Thumb, Tam. I'll ah. think of his name in here in a second. But the the, the current head Tiny of Tim. Apple, it's this walled garden thing where they control everything. So if you want to see this thing, you have to buy it through them. Well, I'll give them this: they're buying interesting properties. Yes, yeah. I mean, and that's what's killing me about this is like I have a major disagreement with them on that philosophy of you know content and ownership but the things they're buying are things i would probably want to watch so i'm sitting here they're struggling you, with jeff the, the, i'm struggling with the fact that i would probably never buy an apple product jeff pr firm but it seems like that would be the only way i could access this content and i'm i'm very frustrated by that so it's three and a half greens uh, I got that. That's a great PR firm thing for Apple right there. Apple, buy it because you have to. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's like coupon the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the right people will you get know, that it, one. It, 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 it's funny with, with Apple and and this uh, walled garden, that, that kind of tangented off of, did you see Vernon's post about ads? Yes, which is really funny. Mm. What about well, ads? That, that, um, it, basically, it might you, be coincidence, but it well, really was kind of weird. It probably isn't because what a lot of people don't know is stop. What are we talking about? Explain what it is before Jeff you go into is it. I, I was into getting, it. I was okay. leading this into it. This is a Jeff story now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have seeded. Sorry, we have to go tiptoe through the tulips. I've, I've passed the, the wall. Baton. Oh, because uh, I, I was going to say, if you want to tell the the first half of the story, well, he go just ahead. posted on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, he posted on Facebook. He's like, "What the hell." Yesterday, I was looking at a pair of sunglasses in a store, and today, was it Facebook? Yeah. Facebook is giving me ads for those glasses, those sunglasses. Ah, I see. And, and, he, and he was like, yeah. what, what the hell did, what the, where did that come from? Well, it's because two very important things. Both Google and Facebook do this. They use their software to get a general idea of where you are when you're out and about. So when you are in a shop, it records that and then tries to send you content based on where you're at at that particular time. Not necessarily right then, but 
usually in the near future. No so wonder the f- they think I'm a big boozer. Yeah. So the very fact that that popped up after he visited a sunglass store is not coincidental. So you're saying my, we've caught up to Minority Report? Uh, yes. Okay. It's it's uh, there's a name for it, but it's basically targeted advertising, mm-hmm. and it literally takes not just your browser history, not just your you know your you know online shopping history, but it also takes your physical location history and tries to send you ads based on where you've been, you know the types of places that you go frequently. And uh, what you might be doing. So it probably said, oh, he's at a sunglass outlet. Uh, let's send him ads for sunglasses. It's precog marketing. So why Something. do I keep getting dildo ads? Mm. Only you can answer that question. Oh, okay. Well, they figured out that I you... I mean, you are married now, so... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Red light, green light. Gentlemen, TBS has secured the rights to develop a series based on the Quantum and Woody comic books oh huh ant-man and the wasp writers andrew barrer and gabriel ferrari are panning this pilot adapted of the valiant entertainment property originally created in 1997 by christopher priest and artist mark bright and then rebooted in 2013 quantum and woody follows a pair of adopted brothers who after years of estrangement reunite to solve their father's murder along the way they become superpowered heroes the comic was at least partially inspired by the characters played by Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson in the 1992 film White Men Can't Jump. And Anthony and Joe Russo are executive producers of the series. Quantum okay. and Woody. All right. So has anybody in this room read and or is familiar with this? I remember series? the book because I remember seeing it on the bookshelves, but I didn't read it. Negative. No. All okay. right. Because so, that, w- that would have probably leaned me one way or another. So I characters, don't know. characters from White Man Can't Jump try to solve their father's murder and the process becomes superheroes. That's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> uh, so none of us have read it? That's the log line. None of us have read it? I have nope. not I read had, it. I hadn't even heard of it until just now. I've heard of it. Okay. Well, you're but, ahead of most of us. Yeah. I had to look it up. Yeah, on the, uh, Money Train also, Snipes and Harrelson. Yeah, yeah, but but it's not based on those characters. I know, but I didn't realize. I mean, when you, when you said... Harrelson and, and Snipes, I'm like, I thought you were a money train. I'm like, wait, did I misremember that? No, no. Well, it's funny, too, because they're brothers in Money Train, aren't uh-huh. they? I think so. They're, you know, like... I think they might be, yeah. Yeah. But maybe not estranged <clears throat> brothers. They're strange? Estranged. That's the, yes, that's they, the internet they, strange. They are brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew enough about the original material to, well, to make a decision on this. White men can jump. Was a good movie. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot that. of fun. <laughs> and of fun. and was a lot of that fun due to the interaction of those two characters? Well, I think so. They played very well. Yeah, off of well, each yeah. Other. I mean, Harrelson and Snipes were. That was great chemistry. They yeah. really, they really fucking. So I mean, a lot of that comes from that. It, I, shit, I don't know. Who did you say is producing it again? Anthony and Joe Russo. Yes. Hmm. So there's and, a decent, and for what format? I was going to say, for there's TBS. A, there's a decent pedigree behind the production. Yeah, yeah, team, yeah. So 
and it's written by the same two writers that wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp. All right. I'll, I'll greenlight it for a for, yeah, for green solid, light, solid green 13 light. episodes. I was going to say probably greenlight because TBS has been putting out some good original programming. Um, it's got a good pedigree behind it. So, yeah, greenlight. All right. Now greenlight. Pretty much any comic book movie is going to have my greenlight. Because they're doing so good Cause, these days. Because the one time we red light is when they take it all away from us, right? right. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's how it works. That's we fought it. for so long to get what we want, and now that we have it. The moment we red light, gentlemen, though, the, is the day they go the way of the Western. And we can't a, be doing that. And that's how the Bazooka Joe comic uh, grew oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> Bazooka Joe movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Hashtag, that's right. Hashtag turtleneck. You, you, uh, you, you pillowed yourself. I self-pillowed. Hashtag I, callback <laughs> struggles. <laughs> I postcogged it. In, in an ironic turn point, the Bazooka Joe movie comes with a free piece of gum. Nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right, red light, green light. But you have to buy a $20 soda to get the free piece of gum, right? Well, yeah. Okay. Duh. But no straw. <laughs> Sony Crackle is developing a sci-fi series adapted from Joseph Conrad's novel, Heart of Darkness. Oh, my. Cameron Livak will serve as writer and showrunner. Instead of the book chronicling a voyage along the Congo River in Africa during the 19th century, the new series will chronicle a voyage in space in the far-flung future. It will still explore the book's themes of race, immigration, and colonization, but this time in space. Hearts of Darkness has been adapted in various forms over the years, most notably the basis of Francis Ford Coppola's 1979 Academy Award-winning Vietnam War film Apocalypse Now, and starred Martin Sheen and Marlon Brando. I hear that's good. That's it's. Uh, I hear it has a good use of soundtrack. So wait, so wait. Are you trying to tell me that this takes place in, in space? space? <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Let me let me understand you here. <laughs> so. Heart of Darkness, Sony Crackle, In Space, Red Light, Green Light. Uh, what do you think? Green Light. Why not? Um, Sony, I just saw a thing the other day. Sony's like dumping a bunch of money into Crackle to get some good original programming. So. Ah. And Crackle is a free service. I was about to ask. Is it still a free service to run on uh, ads, I assume? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, it's it's uh, very much like the basic Hulu package, which ah. you actually have to pay for, but like... You get um, about a minute of ads every, say, 20 or so minutes into a oh, right, you know, oh, something. Right. So it wasn't bad. Um, I will say the, the uh, Joe Dirt sequel that I watched on Crackle was terrible. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? This there was a is sequel. blowing my mind right now. The, the, did you ever see the original movie, Joe Dirt? Yes, of course. Yes, it was okay. I, I really liked that Not movie. Not Van Hagar. I really liked that movie. Terte. When I when I saw the sequel, I was so disappointed. Like it was just not at <laughs> all good. Who plays the title character? Uh it's um There he goes. Wesley Snipes. No, what's um <laughs> What's his name? From uh that show. Yeah, that guy. God damn it. That's weird because he's good in other things. Yeah. No, it's uh, Mr. Sarcastic Snarky. David, uh, yeah. uh, oh, you're saying David Spade actually David plays Spade. it in the sequel? Yeah. Oh, he is? David Spade <laughs> reprises <laughs> the character. I forgot David Spade's name. 
I know. I was like sitting there struggling. I'm like, why can't I think of David Spade's name here? Uh, I, 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 it's really weird when you actually think it that way. For why once, can't I think of David Spade's name? Right. <laughs> <laughs> for once, well, I actually knew what the name was, and I was like trying to figure out what weird name you were trying to come up with. <laughs> I figured it's it was just David a different Spade, actor. Right. And it's produced by Adam Sandler. Yeah. So I was sitting there going, I'm like, well. It's not at David least, Sandler. It's at least they've. <laughs> It's the same team that made the first movie. So I'm like, okay, well, same team, writers, etc. Maybe it'll be good. And since it was for free on Crackle, I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. It was terrible. It was, I'm it was guessing terrible. that original movie doesn't hold up very well anymore either. Uh, I saw it recently. like It's like six months ago it was on. Wow. And it's still fun. Is it? Yeah. It came on and you didn't change the channel. No. I got a Life's read. a garden. Dig it. I gotta oh read God. Hearts of Darkness again. Yeah, again, I gotta read it for the first time. I because I read it a long time ago. I really didn't think hard through it. It, you know, but it. I thought it back was, when you were less philosophical about life. Well, I thought it was an a, kind of an indictment of colonization, and sympathetic, and it's really funny because a lot of modern progressives. You know, don't don't see it that way. So I I get confused as to what the hell you know what the hell the book's about. Yeah, what was going on? Well, it's 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 okay. It's a short book. It's only like nine hundred words, right? And for any of you shock monkeys, get any ideas? It's not a genre novel. We won't accept it for the book club. What if you just put the word space in front of every? Yes, time? we'll definitely take that book. Space, Hearts oh. of Darkness. Oh, yeah. It's like that, it's like that one uh, KODT script where, yes. where the guy read Atlas Shrugged thinking they were vampires. And he was like halfway Wait, through. Wait, they weren't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's Atlas Shrugged in space? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Heart of Space so. Darkness. We're reading um, that. Okay, so, yeah. Let's go green. Martin Sheen. Ah. Put him in it. Well, yes. Charlie Sheen, he needs work. And let's use a Flight of the Valkyries. Let's continue that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's use Flight of the Concords instead. <laughs> <laughs> we put this on right before we hit him. Scares the hell out of him. <laughs> I am a robot. <laughs> oh, oh, Flight of the Concords. <laughs> the robots have one. Oh, <laughs> wow. That'd be great. You're right. That's the, that's what this needs. I green light it if we get Fly of the Concord right. to the soundtrack. Absolutely. That's that's my like, that's I, my kavat. Jermaine I'm green lighting it too. I didn't say anything, but yeah, I'm green lighting it. I, I, I think it could be done. I, I think it could be done well. I don't know if they'll do it well, but I think there's a lot of potential to do it well. Whatever happened to the other guy? I mean, Jermaine Clement is still doing like tons of things. Whatever happened? Well, to right there, you answered the question. He's the other guy. The other guy. So, so he like, he's he's like the other half of Wham and uh, yes yeah. he's the Andrew Wood he's Grizzly the Garfunkel yeah <laughs> oh Millie Vanilli yes carry on all right he just call the call the ambulance and he's <laughs> having a stroke <laughs> <laughs> that's the little one <laughs> I can't remember his name but Brett the other guy in the flight of the Concords. I fell down a Wikipedia hole the other day. Um, you? I can't imagine. I know. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? So, the g- same guy that produced Millie Vanilli 
had been doing that kind of stuff before, but nobody freaked out about it. Yeah. His other band before that was that Boney M thing I showed you that you'd seen and I'd never heard of before. That Rasputin song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the same producer that produced Millie Vanilli and created that band. Boney of, M? It's Boney a, M. It's a black guy and two, three black women singing, huh? but they're actually not the people that made it. was a white German guy that actually did oh. the music and had black people in front of him doing the sort of miming the same thing that Millie Vanilli did, basically. I, I was familiar with it because I was overseas at the time. Ah. And that's where it Ra Ra Rasputin was a big um, hit in Yeah, Ra Ra Rasputin. And uh, actually, uh, Night Train to Venus. Oh, I like the title. Mm. Yeah. That one's kind of cool. Now, that's what you've been playing out of the space helicopters in Apocalypse now, Heart of Darkness in no, space. No, no, I've already told you. It's got to be Flight of the Concourse, right. nothing else. Otherwise, I'm not on board. Red light, green light. Robert Downey Jr. Green light. Is teaming up with YouTube Red for a docu-series centered on the fast-growing world of artificial intelligence. Deadline reports the series will feature the leading minds in several different fields of study sharing their perspectives on AI as well as the technology's potential impact on our future. Uh, Downey Jr. will host and narrate the Untitled AI series, which will feature researchers and leading experts in science, philosophy, technology, engineering, medicine, futurism, entertainment, and the arts, sharing their perspectives on AI. Susan Downey said, quote, Robert and I share a curiosity for AI, a complicated and often polarizing subject. Our aim is to explore AI through the lens of objectivity and accessibility, in thoroughly bold, splashy, and entertaining way. We're thrilled to bring this project to life with Network Entertainment, Sonar, and YouTube Red, unquote. The series is set for 2019. The untitled Robert Downey Jr. AI docuseries on YouTube Red. Red light, green light. Green light. Green light. I don't know. He's had a mixed mixed, uh, success with the whole AI thing. I mean... Yeah, he created Vision. Oh, right, right. He also created, you know, Ultron. We got to keep that in the... Uh, Rim shot. No, they didn't get that far. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll give it a very tentative green light, but it sounds like it could be really slow and dry if it's not done well. Uh, Yeah, I get that same same kind of impression. I mean, yeah, they say they're going to make it splashy and so on, but is that going to be sexy enough to bring people to YouTube Red to make money off this project. That's that's my question. Mm-hmm. The this, sexy robot this, episode, yeah, Will. You're right. As long, oh, as long, yeah. If they do robot horrors, yeah, then they'll definitely have it. Yeah, but that's one episode. we got to spread that across the whole series somehow. Are you spreading robot horrors? Wouldn't that be hilarious <laughs> if they just like, Robert, <laughs> the sexy robot episode really hit well. So we're going to... Go in another direction. <laughs> Sexy robot whores. You in gotta space. be the pimp. You're, you're, you're right, Robert. We gotta make that punchy. Sexy whorebots. That's what it's whore gonna bots. be called. Sexy whorebots. With star whores. With robot pimp Downey <laughs> Jr. C3 PMEO. <laughs> <laughs> robot pimp Downey Jr. <laughs> robot pimp Downey Jr. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I gotta give you the. I gotta give you that one, Kirsten. That was pretty good. Nice. 
yeah. C, well, C three P on me. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that that was you know that was Trump's. Oh yes, yeah, the, good work, good work in Moscow mm. for robots. All right, it's give. I give it a green light if he can sexy it up. Sexy, not literally sexy it up though, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean yes, you baby. Don't, you don't know my needs. <laughs> Apparently, I do. There's dildos involved. Yes, <laughs> you know some. <laughs> That's going to start popping up in Andy's feed. Dildos for Todd. <laughs> Todd's birthday is around the corner. <laughs> dildos shaped like otters. <laughs> Actually, otters are kind of no, dildo shaped already. If it's anything based on this episode, is a dildo shaped like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> All right, red light, green light, guys. Okay. Russell T. Davies. Yes. The writer and showrunner behind the Doctor Who reboot is writing years and years, a new futuristic dystopian family drama for BBC One. Years and Years follows the lives of the Lions family. I look forward to all three episodes. <laughs> the Lions family over the course of 15 years as they navigate through a British society rocked by unstable politics, technological advances, and distant wars. Davies shows a future where Britain withdraws from Europe, America becomes a lone wolf, China asserts itself, and a new world begins to form. This ain't fiction. What are they yeah, saying? I was going yeah, really. to say, when did he write this? Because this seems like it's all happening right now. Uh, quoting from Davies, I wanted to write this for 20 years or so, and as the and world ex- happened. As, as, as the world accelerates like crazy around us, I realized I better get on with it, unquote. <laughs> said Davies in a statement. <laughs> Davies served as the head writer for Doctor Who when it was revitalized in 2005 and served as showrunner until, until 2010. Years and Years is expected to go into production later this year. All right. Davies, Years and Years. A, mm, uh, yeah. a, a look had, at the future that's happening now. You had me until you said it's going into production this year. It should have yeah. gone into production last year to be relevant. Um, Hell, it should have gone into production five years ago yeah. to be relevant. Still, Davies, yes, green white. I admit, there's a lot of cachet to this one just because of Davies. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's, there's if maybe if very few other names I'd attach to this that I'd accept. Yeah, this kind of premise say, from because the whole dystopian future thing is just. It's happening a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm tired I love of me it some almost. dystopia, but you're right. It's, I want some hope for the future, you know? I want to believe that humanity as a species is going to survive. Yeah, yeah, but we forward. sunk all our money in Tomorrowland, and that did shit. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I do have a humanity survives concept, uh, Jeff. It's called Roach Man, and it's a nuclear apocalypse. Apocalypse, and he survives because he's Roach Man. Green light. So he put this into production immediately. It's very, it's a very, it's a, it's a lighthearted uh, satire of uh, contemporary mores. With a giant cockroach. He's Roach Man. Yeah, he's not cockroach. Oh. It's he's a story of human survival, Andy. So we smoke and pot Th- all the th- time. Thanks, thanks did you for just, did like, you read not Kafka listening. Re- recently? Is that what's going what? on? What? Huh? Did you read Kafka recently? Yeah. Is that what's this why you think Gregor? Roach Man? Nope. Hmm. But he did make a metamorphosis joke, which I have yeah. to give him some, that, that some love good. for. That I gotta, was pretty I, good. I, I was just talking about 
cockroaches can survive right yeah you know so the guy that survives is obviously a roach man yeah exactly AKA but you know jeff will okay. jeff will class it up with a I'll, kafka reference and i'll and i'll goof it up by making a literal roach man i'm i'm you know uh, who are you <sighs> what are you doing here yeah. i don't know but I'm, I'm pretty sure now there's a giant roach in that egg anyway um <laughs> only because it's russell davies i will green light it if it was anybody, if it was anybody else producing and/or writing, I'd have probably just read light. But was Russell I'll Davies around for Torchwood, or was that after him? He co-created Torchwood. Yes, I like that one too. Although that one's not as popular as the other stuff is. No, it wasn't. Hey, Russell. Yeah, yeah, it's me, Torgo. Okay, we gave you the green light on this, but don't fuck it up. Right, right. We've, you've, you know, you've done us good in the past. We're kind of iffy on the premise, but uh, you do you, and you do us proud making the green. All right. Go ahead with this project. We got you. Don't fuck it up. Two words, Russell. Roachman. Yeah, you heard the man. Go for Roachman. Just, just drop this whole uh, time after time thing you got going on and go for Roachman. What's your Roachman? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. And until next week, oh, I am Master on. Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. I don't talk want to you to. next week. You want to keep playing? I don't want to go. I'm not going to... No, you're all wrong. I am going to make you go. I am going to Fact make you go. Andy. I'm here. Going away. Yes. Taking my giant egg Take with me. Take your goddamn egg with you. Oh, my. We actually were talking. Thought it'd be kind of funny if while Andy was finishing up the eggs, I come out and I'm like, hey, have you seen Kit? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the eggs is like rolling across the backyard. It was not out of the realm of possibilities for a long time. It was just, it was a whole bunch of half eggs. Just in the just well, a little and, and sleep deprived Andy working on them. Yeah, wouldn't right. put it past him. And from one of the eggs you hear. <laughs> As he attacks from inside the egg, you just bore a hole in it, threw in some kibble. They're good, <clears throat> I guess. Did you reinforce it with chicken wire, or you just totally nope, uh, no. no? Really, I uh, built a. Uh, um, Foam core half egg. Oh, here we go. Okay. And then I covered the foam core half egg with plastic and then used that to as a mold, basically. I put a paper mache cardboard over it. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, put paper mache paper on top of the cardboard to hold it together more. And it was really, I mean, it's solid. I mean, they, you know, I was going to say, because the, the whole support structure almost feels like there would be some kind of. Uh, Support it built inside it. Well, it's an if it's egg. Just Eggs take punishment. Oh, yeah. You drop True. them from the helicopter, yeah. and they they. Yeah, uh, it did, I, they, I've, I've seen all sorts of commercials with eggs being smashed on beds and survived. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it. Um, he dropped it on a highway, and it I didn't. Did. Ah, yeah, down the hill. They it, they got a little lumpier when I painted them. They definitely mm -hmm. they weren't sealed very well. The paper mache was not. Uh, there were parts that were not uh, sealed with the uh, the glue slash. Uh, you have uh, to find the artist. Yeah.